Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. What's up everyone, you're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. This episode, Captain America saves the day with a 90th minute winner, but Chris and Mikey are not very happy. Find out why, next. Welcome back everyone to another episode of At The Bridge Pod, and usually we kick things off with a how are you, a funny comment, a witty joke, no, no, not today. Go on then, go on then, I, I, I blagged that too early. Uh, guys, how were your weekends? Were they full of fun and sunshine like the weather? Um, I actually thought it was really windy and cold on Saturday. I, I played cricket Saturdays and I was just stood there thinking, it looks really nice, but it's actually really cold. But other than that, I've had a very good weekend. Chris, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Yeah, I thought it was cold too. Sunday morning, yeah. getting ready for football, I thought, I'm absolutely freezing. I went out because it was sunny, no undershirt or anything, and thought, I'll be <laughs> all right today. That was a mistake. Absolutely yeah, free. Yeah. You're right, aren't you, Chris? Like you're one of them just plays in a shirt, t-shirt, no gloves, nothing. Just uh just Roy Keane's yeah. favourite Sunday league player. I am the complete opposite of that. Like, if <laughs> I it, was going it, to say I've I've played <laughs> football with Chris now for a good four or five years. I don't think Roy Keane would uh I might like him, but I don't think he'd be his favourite player, put that way. No, I don't think that either. In the winter right. I turn up. I turn up full on, long sleeve, gloves, snood, hat. I I, I, I hate the cold. You're a trivia yeah. striker as well, Chris. You're quick. I don't think Roy Keane would like to play against you, to be honest. So. Nah, you're right there, mate. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with undershirt and gloves. I'm always wearing a hoodie, no, so it's, it's just normal. It's like everything. It has to be over 20 degrees for me to not wear a hoodie, it feels. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I, it, that's just how I am. Annoyingly so. Um, over the weekend, we had some huge news break and then later confirmed by Thomas Tuchel. Uh, that is Antonio Rudiger will, he will leave Chelsea this summer. Where will he be heading? Uh, likely to be Real Madrid, if I'm honest, uh, from what we've seen on social and everywhere else, it seems to be Madrid. Uh, I suppose it's better than facing him twice a season in the Premier League in a Spurs jersey, but guy. <coughs> Guys, what what were your initial thoughts when when it broke, and were you as naive as myself, thinking this is bullshit? He'll sign, won't he? Won't he? Um, I mean, I've thought for a long time that he wasn't going to sign, and I've kind of sort of accepted it a while ago. So it was like it's not hazard level of sort of when Hazard said in the Europa League final, oh, "This is it." I mean, I think I shed a tear, but. Oh, I remember Rudiger that going, when we first did it as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, Rudiger going is uh, is a massive miss, and it's um, like, like I said numerous times, you can't you can't replace the character. For Ike, and I think mm. that's what we'll miss more yeah. than his defending. Almost, I think. I think obviously he's a world class defender. There's no denying that. But his character and his energy around the dressing room and on the pitch is uh, irreplaceable, really. And um, I think that's what we'll miss the most. I mean, actually, me saying that, that's exactly our podcast. The first episode was Hazard. Exactly. Wow. Where it all began. Where it all so, began. Um, right, I'll bring Chris in, but for me, I- I'm gutted, you know, truly. And I said on the day that I'd love to know how Tuckle feels in regards to it. Because, you know, 
Rudiger's been a fundamental part of his team since he took charge. And Antonio Rudiger had the chance, obviously, to stay at Chelsea and become a legend. And he has chosen to leave, and it is obviously to Real Madrid. Uh, fair enough. You know, I do understand that draw, especially when it's Madrid or Barcelona. I understand it. doesn't matter whether they're in crisis or not. It's those two clubs. I get it. You know, that's why, you know, Manchester United can still attract players because it is, it's Manchester United. Whether you think that they're good or completely useless, they're still the Manchester United brand. I mean, we have to move forward and we have to buy smart, recruit well, build an incredible side that can challenge for league titles. Has it, has it taken a significant blow, Chris? Uh, yes, I think he is going to be incredibly difficult to replace. Um, I would have loved for him to stay. Uh, I think almost all Chelsea fans would have. I, I don't, I don't like the, the sort of fact that some people are turning on him now because he's decided to leave. Because if you look at his age and what he's achieved at Chelsea, I mean, short of a Premier League, he's won pretty much all the major trophies you'd want to win. So. I can sort of understand him wanting to go and have a new challenge as well. I mean, there obviously is a, a monetary incentive in there as well, but I don't think it is just down to that, like some people have been criticising him for. Um, he's been an incredible player for Chelsea. I, I'll wish him well, no matter where he goes, unless it's, you know, it's United. But um, he is going to be difficult to replace, but not, not to hazard level. I, I, I agree with Berth there. I don't think it's the same as as losing a player like that. Um, I'm almost glad, though, that the club didn't just offer him whatever he wanted because that would have been a real slippery slope, I think, to start on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm not, no, there's no turning on him. I think that'd be a bit over the top and harsh. I can understand why people have sort of turned a bit on Christensen because it seems that he's not really putting the effort in and I yeah. I do understand it and I said that earlier on in a tweet that it felt that he was playing for a contract or a move and then once he'd achieved that he's sort of gone back to his old self which it's if he plays like that in Barcelona he's not going to be in that first team for long that, that's my view on that but I think this is a huge moment in Trevor Chalaber's career because this is his sort of time to step up and shine, you know, to be the replacement we we hope, maybe know he can be. I mean, I hope he does it because he, he seems a great lad and he, he certainly has the world at his feet. And, you know, yeah, he made a mistake, which we'll probably talk about in the review, but against West Ham. But he's proven himself this year. He's stepped into fill the boots of whoever's been out at the time. And he, I think he's done a decent job. Uh, you, are you confident as I am in Chalaba? Uh Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's, he actually plays very similar to Rudiger. He likes to sort of get the ball in almost like the uh, left or right hand side channel, run with it, and then um, he'll have a shot from about 30 yards and it, he sort of advances with the ball. And that's good. You want to see that uh, from a centre-back, especially playing in a back three. Um he pops up with goals. I think defensively, he's very, very good. I think sometimes he's a bit casual on the ball, uh, a bit sloppy, um, kind of like what Tamori was like uh, under Lampard. Um, so obviously, he's got to get better at that. And obviously, he made a bit of a mistake at the weekend. But I think 
looks very promising for him. Um, and he's just got to keep it up. He's uh, he has got the world at his feet, and if he keeps going, he's, there's no reason why he can't fulfil the uh, the boots of uh, Rudiger. Chris, yeah. final word. Yeah, I, I, I think Chalobah's got a lot of potential. I, I just think people have got a got to stick with him and accept that he probably will have up and down games where one week he's outstanding, the next week he might be a bit off. People seem to forget that this is his first year playing at this sort of level. Um, I think he's done incredibly well. And he yeah. is he is very Rudiger-esque, I agree with you, but he, he does like to advance with the ball out from the back, which is important if you're playing a back three, that you have defenders who can do that. I, I think his only weakness is the, the build-up play. I think when we're knocking it around the back, he does look like the player who's going to give it away at some point. Um, I think once he works on that, though, I think he's got everything else, really. And I think he is defensively one of our better defenders. Well, we, we'll it will be a watch and wait and see. So hopefully all good on that front. Uh, on to our second London derby of the week that was last week. The reverse fixture, we lost 3-2 at the London Stadium, but surely we'd not lose yet another game at the bridge, could we? Alonso pulls it back, and it's there for Pulisic! The refreshing of the team from the substitute pays dividends. Chelsea won, West Ham nil. It was Bonnie Tyler who said the immortal words, I need a hero, I'm holding out for a hero till the 90th minute. And uh, maybe not quite. But Captain America himself was Chelsea's hero with the winner. But guys, in terms of comic book movies here, was the performance Avengers Endgame or more Green Lantern? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not up to date with all the Avengers or that. So I, I may seem a bit old here. In, uh... Endgame was basically very good and Green Lantern was basically weird, admit his shit. Um, Iron Man's still <laughs> alive though, isn't he? Like, that's not... That's the thing. So, so, so uh, West Ham. Uh, uh, any, anyway, yeah, um, um, I think, um, yeah, it was uh, a very tense watch. Like I said last week, we needed to just win. I wasn't too bothered about the performance. I know you boys were a bit uh, pissed <laughs> off with it. And what? that's understandable. No. I get it. Um, but all, all that was important for me was the three points. And you can say what you want about our, our attackers, and, and, and they are far too inconsistent, but. They've actually stepped up a lot recently. Um, in the past three, four months, they've, they've got a lot of big goals um, in important moments. They, they've sort of stepped up when you really need them to. So, yes, they do your head in at times. But, you know, if it's Pulisic, Werner, Havertz, Ziyech, they've all stepped up when it's needed to. Um, and if they did that for the whole season, there's no reason why we couldn't be near Liverpool and Man City. Unfortunately, they don't. But we won, and that is the main thing. I see your point, Chris. I mean, we probably would all agree that it maybe it was another film that just made you want to fall asleep until literally the 86th minute where it sort of got interesting. Uh, how, how did you feel towards that that those dying moments of the game? Um, performance was dire. Let's be honest. Um, it wasn't even West Ham's B team. It was almost their C team. They had no defenders. They they didn't play their three best players. And we was we was awful. We it was it was another game where we play a lot of our games like pre-season friendlies, just 
no pace, no intensity, no in, no intent to hurt the opposition, just knocking it around, not really doing anything, playing side to side and doing nothing. But I wasn't shocked by it because, like I said on Friday's pod, I think we're like that every week. We have the occasional game where we... I don't think we're that bad every week. I think, we're the, I think we are. I, I, don't, I, think, I don't think we're that bad every week. No way. Well, we were that bad against Arsenal. Yeah, but we always are against Arsenal, no matter what year or what manager or what team. I, I, I just and, think... Uh, I don't know. No, carry aside, on, carry on. aside from Southampton and Real Madrid, hmm. when was the last time we played well? We have, we have like a string of bad performances and then we'll have one game like the Southampton game where everything clicks and we look outstanding and then we followed that up against Real Madrid and then we've gone poor performance, poor performance and we're back on that run again. You know, the best thing about this team is they know how to go the result out and that is an important characteristic to have and I, I, I do think that is something Tuchel has instilled in this team that we can win when we play badly but that is a bloody good thing because we play badly most weeks. Uh, I um, mean, yeah, you've got a point because I was thinking back to games where we 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 looked poor but still won. You've got, sorry, but Plymouth two one in the fourth round. Palmeiras in the cup final weren't yeah. great. Uh, the league cup final against Liverpool was good, but yeah. then we had the Luton game, which uh, yeah. <coughs> uh, Chris, I mean, what what's what's going on there? What is going on? We do seem to not be putting in good performances. We just, uh, I, I, sorry to interrupt, Chris. I, I, just, I just think all those games that you just mentioned, we are so, and Gary Neville was saying it on, on commentary, we're so laboured in the way we play out from the back. And that sets the tone. If you start off slow from the back and you don't really press, that sets the tone for the whole game. We never, ever start quick. When is the last time you game you really said, Wow, Chelsea started really quickly out the blocks. I can't remember the last time that's happened. And when you start off slow, you start off laboured, it's just time for the whole game. And yesterday, it looked like we didn't get out of second gear, third gear. And and I agree with you, boys. Like, that is that happens most games, unfortunately. I think there's a lot. I think we have played well at some games this season, but the problem is we are so laboured and the intensity is lacking so much. You look at Liverpool, and I hate Liverpool, but. They're explosive. They're in your face straight from the off. And they don't let you give a minute's rest. They have a minute's rest. And I just think we let teams off so, so much when we could really, really put them to the sword. Yeah, I agree. I, th- um, I think it was I think it was Gary Neville on, on commentary made a good point about we. there was a moment, it must have been on about 60 minutes, where we was knocking the ball around side to side. And, and he said that there was no variation in, in any movement anyone was making. Everyone was just coming to feet. There was no diagonal runs in behind to stretch West Ham's defence. There was no one player dropping off and one spinning in behind to try and create an overload somewhere. Everyone just stands in their position and we just pass the ball around, hoping that at some point someone falls asleep so we might get a shot off or... We just wait for them to make a mistake or we hope to win a corner and score off that. I don't see, especially from in a lot of games, 
at, from our midfield to our attack, I don't see anyone who wants to make something happen. It seems like everyone in our team is just waiting for someone else to do it and no one wants to take responsibility. Tuckle said in the week, I think it was, it might, it might have been the press conference before this game, that he would prefer to be talking to players about uh, mistakes that are making while they're trying to play risky passes or going on crazy dribbles that don't come off. And he'd rather be highlighting those sort of mistakes. But he said, we don't do that. And I'm, we don't. He's absolutely right. But that comes from him. You can see that these players are absolutely <coughs> to keep in possession. Every single one of our players are absolutely 100% drilled into in the week that possession is the most important thing. We do not give the ball away easily. And because we're so scared to give the ball away, that's why we don't do anything with it. Because no one wants to play a pass that may or may not come off. Everyone would rather just play a pass that they know they can make. I mean, I actually do see what you mean. I mean, the, the passing in the... It felt very slow. I mean, that's saying something. I mean, on one hand, we scored and didn't concede four goals. So that's a huge improvement on recent showings. Um, I am going to look at the positives. I mean, Marcus Alonso was solid. He did both sides of the game very well. And to be fair to him, he, he started the season well. Middle part, mm, eh, less so. And now he's ending it well. I mean, he gets a lot of stick due to the lack of pace, but he, he does work hard. And sorry, Chris, I've used that word. He works hard, but... You know, he's also good positionally. He, 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 for me, he put a shift in. I was content with him. Chalibur, you know, we talked about him earlier. He had a good game. I mean, he made a mistake, but he, he did fix that, to be fair to him, and he played well afterwards. And if it was true that Christensen literally pulled up or whatever the issue was just before, well, seems just after the team sheet was released... He dealt with it well, I think, Chalibur, and he, he certainly put in a good showing. Uh, what, 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 how did you feel on both Chalibur and Alonso in the game, Berth? Um, I think Alonso gets an awful lot of stick, uh, which is unnecessary. Now, Marcus Alonso, you know what he's good at, you know what he's not good at. Um, he's quite slow. Defensively, he's a bit suspect, but he, he's another player that sort of pops up when you need him to. And for a left-back, look at all the goals he's scored over the years and some of his performances. I think he's underrated, if anything. And that's going to probably cause a lot of controversy. But I think, as a Chelsea player, I think he's actually very underrated. Now, don't get me wrong, he's had some games where he's been absolutely useless. And I thought that's fair enough. But I think 80% of the games, he's actually always putting a 7, 8 out of 10, sometimes 9 out of 10. So... I think he's very much underappreciated for the for the Chelsea fan base because um, he's technically very good. The cross was superb for Pulisic. Um, defensively sound against West Ham. Um, I think I think aerially very very good. Um, I-, I just think he's a very very good footballer. Um, and as for Chalobah, look, I- there's a few shaky moments at the ball, but other than that, I thought he defended very solid. I think I actually think the weakest player in that back five was Aspedicuera. Uh, and you can kind of see that his legs are going, his decision-making isn't as good as it used to be. And I just feel that he's, he really, yes, they showed that he really isn't the player that he used to be. Um, I know a lot of people probably already think that, but yesterday sort of just sort of showed that he's, um, he, he wasn't the player that uh, we had back in 2015, 2016, 2017. And it's a real shame because he's 
obviously still an amazing captain, but you kind of now when we see him on the team sheet, you're like, mm. it reminds it's, it's me of it's yeah, it reminds me of the drop off that Ivanovic sort of had as well, where he's going yeah. from absolute cult hero and potentially maybe legends a bit pushing it for Ivanovic, maybe not. But I, I, I don't think with as I don't think the drop off's been as rapid as Ivanovic. No, it's not as, as sudden or as bad. I, I still think no, he, no. he gives you a, a solid game pretty much most weeks, but. Compared to what he was, he used to give you eights, eight or tens a week, mm, and now he's giving yeah. you five sixes out of, out of tens every week, and it's it, it's a shame, but I suppose it, it, that's just football. Yeah, I, I mean, Chris Chalabert Alonso did, did, even though they worked hard, did did you think they did a bit more than that in the game? Yeah, I mean, Chalabert, I, I thought did well considering he, he was he was a late call up to the team. Um, it's never easy to come into that sort of situation. Um, but it was it was a very chalibre sort of performance. Like I said, a few shaky moments on the ball when he's trying to be asked to build up from the back, but defended well um, in the situations he was in. Uh, I agree with you 100%, Berth. I, I do think Marcus Alonso is, is underrated and underappreciated. Yeah. I think we all know Marcus Alonso as a left-back is dire, but as a left-wing-back, he is, he is good. Like sometimes he'll get caught out for his lack of pace. And I think sometimes that's more noticeable depending on who's playing next to him. I don't think you notice that as much when it is Rudiger. I think when it's someone else, you notice it a bit more because that person also isn't as good. Um, but Alonso always pops up with something when you when we need him to. If if, if it's not a goal, it's an assist like like yesterday. I had this I I was having this argument with someone. Um when That's we a was talking about, I know, right? When we was talking about squad depth, <laughs> like that's saying that Liverpool have got better squad depth than than we have. But they they lose Andy Robertson, they're bringing in Simicas. We lose Chilwell, we bring in Alonso. I'd rather have Alonso than Simicas. So yeah, I, I I don't agree with this whole we haven't got the squad depth thing because Alonso as a left wing back, there aren't many better. Than Alonso as a uh, as a wing back, um, Chilwell proved to be um, in the first stage of the season once he got back in the team. But I just think Alonso he's become one of them players now where he's an easy target when he has a bad game. He doesn't help himself by when he's bad, he's really bad. But oh yeah, that's true. I, I think I think sometimes even if he just has a slightly poor game, um, or he's anywhere involved in a goal that we concede people just jump on it really really quick yeah. i think it's really over the top sometimes the criticism he gets mm. i mean mason mount is one that gets criticism we know that but it, he's been our man of the moment recently and I, I i i just love his shooting technique i mean he learns that he needs to learn that sometimes you know a simple pass might be better might be the better option I, I did feel against West Ham, he sort of took the game into his own hands, maybe a bit too much. Uh, uh, how did you feel on Mount's performance in the 90? Um, it, it, this, again, this annoyed me because I, I think you are right, but maybe he did take too many shots, but at least he, he tried to make something happen. And I oh, agreed, that, agreed. That with Mount, I think he's the one that you'd say he always tries to look and make things happen. You'll never, you know, never say uh, that isn't the case with Mason Mount because he does just always try and look to change the game. Um, 
I, I saw people on Twitter ripping him to shreds against West Ham. And I, I think it's just a bit of a joke, really. I think, like Alonso, he's a scapegoat. Um, and it really, really annoys me because th- this kid's 23. He got a player of the season last year. Got the uh, match-winning assist in the um, Champions League final. He's been arguably one of our best players again this year. He has one bad game. Everyone ridicules him for it. He weren't great yesterday. He wasn't. Um, but I'll, I also think he's one of, if not our best attacking player. Um, and he's 23. Lay off him because I think he's going to be a future Chelsea captain. I think he's an incredible player. He could have probably played Lukaku in a few times, but you know what? He's, he's tried something. He's tried to be the, the match winner. We are screaming out for match winners, and I will never ever slag him off for uh, trying to win us a game. Before Chris just gives his view on this, I will put this out there. Lampard, everyone would say he's a Chelsea legend. Of course they would. Uh, first 100 games, he got 28 goals and assists total. Uh, Mount 100 Premier League games, he's got 42. Uh, now, there we go. That, that And remember, yeah, Lampard, don't, don't forget, Lampard don't had also had Premier League games under his belt as well. Don't forget, all those goals and assists that Mason Mount's got have been against Norwich. No, oh, so, of course, Norwich in that yellow so, kit, of course. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, Chris, how do you feel about Mount's, not just his 90 minutes in that game, but as well how the sort of social media opinion is on him? I don't understand how a Chelsea fan can not like Mason Mount. I don't understand what he's done at any point to have people who are calling themselves Chelsea fans anyway turn on him. I don't understand what he's done because last year he won player of the year. This year I, I think he's I think he's had a, a few more quieter spells where his form hasn't quite been there. Um, but he is still a relatively young player but, but they do go through peaks and troughs in their form. But his numbers have improved this year which is all you can ask for as an attacking player. Um he he is always trying to look to make something happen. I think the shooting thing, I think he's just got to learn that he doesn't have to hit everything really hard. Because mm. the, the one that fell to him on the edge of the box, his first touch was superb. And then he tried to take the net off and he, he put it in the upper stand. Um, I just think sometimes he, he, he just needs to learn how to finish rather than shoot, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, and... This isn't just a criticism amount. This is this is all our attackers. I'll be honest, but just that that little bit extra composure around the box is what what Mount misses at times. See so, you now, like the FA Cup semi final, his composure in the box for his goal was really good. But then yesterday, I'm pretty sure it was after the penalty, West Ham gave it away, um, and it fell to Mount on the edge of the box, and Lukaku is stood three yards from the goal with a clear shot at goal and Mount had the shot instead. And mm. that's a, that that's only acceptable if you score. He didn't he miss the target. Yeah. I think if if you if you was I mean we keep going on about City and Liverpool, but they are the standard bearers of the league. If you look at them, they will probably play that pass and it'll end in a goal. And I think that's the difference between our attackers <sighs> getting to that sort of level at the minute. Uh, everything they do is very predictable. It, nothing they do is the unpredictable side. They just do what 
you would expect them to do. So it fell to Mount on the edge of the box. So he thought, oh, I'll probably have a shot rather than just noticing that that pass was. I think that's anything that not just him, but all our attackers could do with improving on. Mm, for sure. Uh, I've got I've got to come to it. We're getting close to the end of the 90th minute. Minutes. Uh, Jorginho's penalty. Oh, it was it was it was piss poor. You know, I've, I've always stood by my view that I hate his penalty taking technique. I know it works. I do know that, but I still hate it. You know, when it works, it's it's beautiful. It's clever, but but when it goes wrong, it just looks horrific. And I think Fabianski could have dived the wrong way, gone to the away dugout, made himself a brew, had a chat about the lovely weather we had for that 90 minutes and still got back to his goal to save that shot. It was that weak. I mean, how how did you feel with that penalty? I, I, I was I was pissed off, but it oh, man, I, I just don't know what to do with these penalty techniques anymore. Uh, I'm with you, Marky. I think you just step up, run up and shoot. Don't, none of this hopping, none of this rolling the ball. Just run up and smash it into the back of the net. That's what I, I, I was convinced Lukaku was going to take it. I don't know why. I just was convinced nah, it was going to be him. I, um, I, I knew Georgina would take it. But uh, look, it, it's one of the worst penalties I've ever seen, to be honest. It is shocking. Uh, uh, what can you say about it? Those sorts of penalties, if, if you miss them, you look like such an idiot. And unfortunately, Jorginho, he's very solid for us from the penalty spot. So I can see why he took it. Mm. But my God, what a terrible, terrible penalty. Uh, I mean, it might not be Simone Cesar's type of penalty. It's not, but... it's not far off, though. <laughs> like, Quality-wise, it's not far off because that penalty... I'd, I'd rather someone blast the ball over the bar than just step up and basically pass it to the keeper. I mean, it weren't even the first hop, skip and a jump miss of the weekend because Bruno Fernandes, I mean, he didn't even hit the target, but <laughs> he hit the post, which isn't officially the target. Uh, Chris, oh, did you have your head in your hands? Yeah, of course. Um, I, I, I don't really, I, I'm not a massive fan of the technique, but his penalty record for Chelsea is really good. I, I just, I was still more annoyed and... I'm not just saying this because he missed it, because you can go back on a... I'm almost certain I've said this on a pod before. I don't think he should be a penalty taker anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, I have always said that your attacking player, the one who's meant to get your goals, takes your penalties. If they have a penalty taker, there has been strikers in the past. I think Fernando Torres was one who didn't really like taking penalties. So that's fine. But if you've got one, and let's face it, I think if Lukaku had won that penalty and then he took it and scored, that could have been a turning point for him. But instead, we're still having Jorginho take him, whose goals mean absolutely nothing to his performance. No one's judging him on how many goals he's getting anyway. Mm -hmm. So it makes absolutely no difference. And even when it's not Lukaku, just in case people think I'm just backing Lukaku here, I think Kai Havertz should be our penalty taker. Whoever you're making your main guy as, as a forward... If they take penalties, should be your penalty taker. I'm sick to death of this. No, let's let's have a let's have a midfielder take it or let's have a defender take it. No. If you look at the top scorers in the league, they're all penalty takers. Harry Kane takes penalties for Tottenham. Mohamed Salah takes penalties for Liverpool. Man City don't have one because again, they don't have a main forward because they rotate that much. Uh Kevin Benzema, who everyone was raving about when he played against us, and rightly so, he had two two good games. He's a penalty taker for Real Madrid. A lot of his goals this year have come from the penalty spot. 
He scored four games in a row for Real Madrid. Every single one of them was a penalty. So if you say to Real Madrid, no, we're going to have Casemiro take the penalties instead, all of a sudden then Benzema's gone four games without a goal. And that's the problem. And I'm sick to death of us doing it. And if we get to the summer and if we bring in a new striker, if we still have Lukaku, if, we still, if we're going with Havertz as our forward, make that person your penalty taker because those goals from the penalty spot can make all the difference to not only their numbers, but their confidence. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point. I mean, I'll play the devil's advocate and bring up the, the it's well the actual record. He's taken 28 penalties for Chelsea. This isn't including shootouts. How many do you think he's missed out of 28? What, for Chelsea? Yes. Four. Okay, Chris? Three. It is actually four. So yes. it's, not, it's not bad, is it? No, no it's not bad. But it's still horrifically bad. I mean, let's just be glad that Christian Pulisic came up clutch because oh, I'm bloody happy about it. I really was. And it's three points that we needed. You know, we aren't guaranteed anything. And I keep saying this, we cannot just take a Champions League spot for granted. You know, it feels that at, t- at times that some of us do. When I say some of us, I feel that's probably the online portion, but it feels that we should be entitled to one. We're not. Uh, I joke about the Europa League, but when we play like we do, that's, you know, you could easily be a finish fifth and we can't go, that's not fair. Well, you know, you have to earn that top four spot. Liverpool and City have certainly earned their place in the Champions League for next season. We need to earn ours. Uh, how 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 did the Pulisic moment flip the entire perspective for you of that game? Yeah, it was a uh, relief. Massive, massive relief. Because I just thought as soon as Jorginho missed that penalty, I thought, West Ham are going to win this. But... As soon as we scored that goal, we actually played really well. Like the last couple of minutes, we were actually, I well, know it was hard to judge, but it looked like we got our confidence back. Um, now, hopefully, we can take that into Manchester United, Everton. It, it has changed. It's given them a much needed confidence boost. I worry, though. I still worry uh, about Everton and Man U, to be honest, because I know what we like. I know when we play teams that aren't in form. I know what happens, so we'll we'll see. But it, it was a relief after after we scored anyway, and the final whistle went. Chris, was it was it relief? Did you celebrate? Did you just go? You know what? I don't care anymore. How, how did you take it? I celebrated the goal, but then it didn't take it didn't take away from how annoyed I was at the performance because I don't I don't enjoy watching us play. I think that's that's the main thing. Like there's been times we've had times under a lot of managers, let's be honest, where <coughs> we've been on bad form. It happens to us a lot. Um but I, I honestly I, I I don't like watching us play. I think we are so boring. That's if I wasn't a Chelsea fan, I would I would never watch Chelsea play football because we are awful to watch. <laughs> I wouldn't watch. Or just no, I, don't, I don't think I would. I I, I don't think from especially from sort of November the, last year, if mm. I was a neutral, I don't think I'd watch a Chelsea game because I'd think there's no point. They're just going to pass it around. It's, just, it's not going to be a good game. Um, so it was relief. I think it's put us in the driving seat now for the top four. With, especially with after of, Spurs drop points, yeah. Yeah, Spurs dropping points and the, the gap lead that we have now. 
mainly because I can't see Arsenal and Tottenham winning all their remaining games because both of them are a bit iffy on form as well. So I don't think they'll win enough games to overtake us. But I do agree with you, Mark. I don't think we should take qualifying for the Champions League for granted. But at the same time, I don't think we should celebrate it. I don't think I don't think it's an it's a massive achievement. But you look at the amount of money that we we've spent assembling this squad, and according to some, we have we have the best manager in the world. I don't think we should be celebrating finishing third. I think it's very fair to say that, especially at the start of the season. I know injuries, and you could go, well, Liverpool had injuries last season, and they did they finish second. Yeah, still. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, losing Chilwell was still critical. Losing James was insanely double difficult to have, you know, your two attacking profile players just, you know, out your side. Uh, it's, I don't know. I don't, I, I certainly wouldn't, I'll be relieved when we've secured top four. And, I don't, I don't want us to sort of become a club where... It, I say all this, next season we might be begging for top four, depending on how it goes with new ownership and transfers and everything else. I mean, we have a centre-back issue to deal with first. That's going to be very interesting. I'm sure that the off-season is going to be wild, one way or the other. It's going to be incredible. But I, I was just so just so chuffed to get the game won. You know, 1-0, done. Did make me fall asleep. But it was overall, we had to win. We won. You know, we've got six games left to cement top four. If Agreed. we win, yeah, if we win against Man United, that pretty much, we're at level on games played with obviously Spurs and Arsenal. And we then have a eight point gap over Arsenal, but a 10 point gap over Spurs. And you'd think with four games left, 12 points to go. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think one win, one more win and... That secures it, I think. Yeah, I think that's very fair. And when you look at the fixtures, we've got yeah Liverpool. We've got we have got Liverpool, but in a different competition. Uh, we've got Man United and Everton, and we do say what we've just said about all oh, teams out of form. But hey, they're away from home, so <laughs> our away form pretty good. So um, if we go into those two, win both, that's six points. We fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Um, yeah, with that, though, we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod. As you always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. If you do not already follow us, just search at At The Bridge Pod. We're going to be back for our weekly catch-up with all of you on Friday evening. So, till then, that is us signing off. <laughs>